connecting there with Pastor Rick on our Dayton campus. He must not know what truck I drive. I drive a 2003 F-250 Super Duty diesel with 290,000 miles on it that the bed has collapsed in it. Every time I shut the door, rust falls off the thing. But hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Maybe that was faith saying his new truck is coming. I don't know. <laughs> hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. It's Christmas time, isn't it? Yes, it's Christmas time. And uh, Pastor Dosek, he's is one of our campuses, him and Pastor Phyllis. They're sharing the word over there. So uh, we're here today filling in for them. Praise the Lord. Amen. So back to Christmas. How many of you already have your Christmas shopping done? Look at these organized people. Well, how many of you have never started yet? Uh, uh-huh, exactly, exactly. How many of you are buying all online this year? Just all online, not even going out? Wow, jeez. Miss uh, Nicole and I, we went out, I think, a couple Mondays ago, and it was like it was a desert in the mall. It was just, it was ridiculous. But the really cool thing about Christmas I like is this year she has really made my list really simple. I love it when she does that. makes my list simple. All she asked for from me this year was a gun, a rope, duct tape, and a big plastic bag. I don't know. So I can't wait to see what she gives me for Christmas. So I just, I don't, I don't know. So it's, you know, I don't know what's going on. Praise the Lord. It was a simple buy this year for me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Whoa. <clears throat> You know, I did see, when it comes to Christmas shopping, I did see online that there was a lady, she had got arrested, and uh, she was brought before a judge, and I'm reading down there, and the judge says, well, what are you here for? She said, I was uh, Christmas shopping early, and you're, you got arrested for Christmas shopping early? And she said, yes, and the judge said, well, how early were you Christmas shopping? She said, well, before the stores opened. So, you know, so she just, you know, whatever. Oh, uh, yeah, so anyhow, people these days, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Hallelujah. Well, you know what, being a Christmas season, you know, I love it when the church is decorated and, and we go buy houses and they're decorated and everything, and so obviously it's fitting to to have a new series, and so we've started a new series uh, for the next four weeks, and it's called He Is With Us, all right, and how many of you know He Is With Us? That's right, He Is Here, actually, is what the series is called, and so I have a subtitle this morning, and my subtitle is, He is Not a Distant God. He is not a distant God, and so I'm hoping today that you'll get a little nugget or a couple little nuggets out of this uh, as we go, and we are going to also do uh, some scripture uh, aerobics as well. I got a lot more than Brother Rick has this morning. We're going to go real fast, so hopefully we'll get you out of here a little bit early today. So, when I talk about or when I thought about and when I was doing some research and some thinking about God not being a distant God, there's a lot of people that would disagree with me. There's a religion out there called deism. Anybody ever heard of deism? It's a religion. And deism is basically a belief that a God or gods do exist. Okay, so they at least believe that. They do believe that they created something and us. So they created the world. The gods created us, so they do believe that there is a God, and they believe that there's a creation. But that's as far as it goes. They don't believe, of course, in the deity. No false religion does. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't believe in miracles. They don't believe in Jesus. And they don't believe in prophecies. Well, of course they wouldn't. And that's basically deism. Now, I think that's kind of crazy because 
when it comes to deism, they simply believe that after God created the earth and created us, that he just left us alone. That he is now somewhere out in the universe. And then he is just doing whatever he wants to do out in the universe, far away from the earth. I don't know what that means. He created us, and then he just left us alone. I think that's kind of crazy, and it's kind of strange to believe in something like that. Don't you? It's crazy. Some deists also believe that after they created mankind in the universe, God just abandoned us. Just gone. See you later. I'm going somewhere else and doing something else which I think is crazy. And others also say that God created us, but after he created us, he has no interference and does not interfere in our lives. So he created us, and then whatever happens will happen. So in other words, the presence of God is not near us and plays no part or no role in our lives. Man, that is crazy stuff. I mean, how could you get up and praise a God like that every day? who isn't, apparently isn't even listening to us, doesn't even care. That's crazy thinking. And so when I was thinking about all this, I said, well, you know, atheists, you could put atheists in there, deism, and, and even theism. They should all be put in there together because, you know, atheists don't believe there is no God. And we already know that atheism is an irrational worldview, and it's not true. So we just ought to just put them all in there together. I couldn't live like that. I, I don't know how anybody that believes that is happy. You know, every day they get up and go, oh, that's my day, that's whatever. You know, it's, it's ridiculous. You know, when we had, our, uh, when we had one of our students that, from China, you know, when he came over and we're like, hey, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, how you doing? How you doing, buddy? Duan? And he's like, well, there is no God. I said, what do you mean there is no God? There is no God. There is no God? No. So what happens when you die? You just die. Okay, sure. So for the whole year, I got to talk to him about there is a God. And we'd be sitting on the couch, and we'd be watching a movie, and there'd be, like, torture, or there'd be somebody dying, or there'd be somebody doing something wrong. And I said, I said, Duan, I said, if, if there is no God, I said, where does evil come from? And he'd kind of look at me for a minute, and he'd pick up a pillow, and he goes, I don't know. <laughs> Make the guy think, you know? So, but we all know that that is not the God that we serve. Amen? Not only does God exist, he is not a distant God and has always been with us, moving in men and women and even children since he created us. Amen? That's absolutely true. He always has been. And I love the fact that the Bible starts out by saying, in the beginning and not once upon a time. <laughs> because God is not a mystical God that is living in fairy tale land and, and just goes around and doing whatever he wants to do and just creating this and creating that, la, 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 singing, he's singing, he's singing, creating, and then moving on to another universe and continuing to create. That's not the God that we serve. No, not at all. This is our God who said to an angel one day, he said, Angel, you won't believe what I just did. I just created a 24-hour period of alternating light and darkness on the earth. And the angel says, wow, what will you do now? I think I'll call it a day. That's, that's our God. Yeah? It's supposed to be a little funnier than that, but okay. There you go. 
That is our God. God is not a distant God. Say that. God is not a distant God. He is not. He is here with us. And so I just want to throw out some scripture verses here and there and show you that and give you some facts about it. In Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. Why did he say us? Because the deity, the trinity, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God, they're one, and they were all there from the very beginning involved with us. All one of them. Jesus wasn't over here doing something. The Holy Spirit wasn't doing this. They were all together, one, in the same place, having an effect on our lives and doing something for us. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. God even wanted us to look like him. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's good. That's awesome. He cares. In Luke 12, 7, it said, God knows how many hairs are on our head. And I'm sure he knows how many are coming off my head. So, hallelujah. <clears throat> Anyhow, Proverbs 15, 3. The eyes of the Lord are in another universe. Isn't that what it says? Oh, it, oh the, uh, they are everywhere, in every place, keeping watch over evil and good. So he's here and he's watching everywhere. He's involved with us. He is not a distant God. Hebrews 4.13, not even a creature is hidden from God. Sorry, mouse, you can't run. He knows where you're at. Second Chronicles 16.9, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, he is looking at us and saying, mm, I'm going to be strong in him. I'm going to do this for him. I want to use her. Ooh, she's what I'm looking for for this time right now. He's looking. He's watching. He's with us. He is here. He is not a far or distant God. Sorry, deists. Just ain't working for you here. Psalms 139.4 says, Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. That's almost scary that he knows us that well. In Ephesians 1, 4, for he, is, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. So we've always been on his mind. He's always been here with us, always. And I can go on and on and on and on, but does that sound like some deistic God who's out there who just created us and let us go and says what will be what will be? Absolutely not. I wouldn't want to serve anything like that who didn't care for me or his creation. But now I do want to say this, that if God did not want a connection with you and I, let me tell you, we would not have a connection with him. Remember, there's several places in the Bible here, I own everything, I own it all, and there's even a place in there that says, I don't even need you. That's what he says, I don't need you. I am a self-sustained. I do what I want when I want to. I don't even need you if I didn't want you. But thank God he does need us, and he wants a relationship with us. Whenever I go anywhere, it's not just, okay, for, ask forgiveness for your sins so you can go to heaven, but no, ha ask forgiveness so now you can have a relationship, a personal relationship with Christ because that's what he wants with us. He wants to show himself strong in you and I in every area of our life. He is joyful when he gets to bless us and see us blessed. That's our God. 
But he has proven a point that if he did not want relationship with you and I, he doesn't have to have one. Remember in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, he gave a prophecy and a warning to his people. And after that, he went silent. Nothing. 400 years. Didn't speak to no one. Not one scripture verse was written. Turn off the lights, turn off the sound, turn off the heat, and just sit there in the dark. That's lonely. I want my God to speak to me and to be with us. When I was in Aruba last year, I met a couple guys that did a lot of scuba diving. And we were talking in the pool because there's nothing else to do on vacation but just lay in the sun and talk in the pool to people. And so we were doing this, and these guys, they, they were scuba divers. They'd been scuba divers for 40, 50 years, and they were old guys. And they would tell me that they would go down 150 feet in the ocean. They'd find a cave, a dark cave. They'd go into the cave. They would turn off all their lights and turn off their air and sit there and hold their breath and just listen. <laughs> I said, bro, you are the man. <laughs> they ain't no way. I would, they just said, well, we just wanted to hear the sound of the ocean. Oh, 150 feet deep, bro. I'll, I'll just snorkel and hear the sound of the ocean. But they just wanted to hear nothing, what it was like down there that deep with nothing. Whew, it's crazy. I'm so thankful that our God chose to speak up and start talking to us. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, that's the ultimate ghosting right there, guys. Isn't that the truth? Woo. Well, for those of you who don't, that's the silent treatment. That's the ultimate silent treatment right there. Wow, that's sad. So God sees everything and knows everything about us. And then the entire Old Testament is God doing something and being involved in our lives. He is everywhere. And I just want to show you a couple places that he is everywhere. If you look at Genesis 39.3, Genesis the 39.3. Man, there's not a lot of papers rustling anymore. Everybody's all digital these days, aren't they? <laughs> I do that in kids' church. The first one to find, da-da-da, boom, got it. Wow, okay, good job. Genesis 39.3, Joseph was a slave in Potiphar's house. And it says here, but when his master, which was Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. Say everything. Everything that he owned. Dude, man, we don't let our kids have that much power. And that's blood. Let alone somebody who's not even like you, whom a God you don't even know or care about, putting that dude in charge of everything. But the key word is... That Egyptian knew that God was working and living and moving in his life. It said, what did it say? It said that when he saw that the Lord was with him. That's not far away. That's right there with him. He got favor, instant favor from an Egyptian. Woo, that's powerful, guys. Powerful stuff. And the devil didn't like it. And so you know what the devil tried to do? Bring that woman in there. Mess all everything up. 
But he stayed consistent. He stayed consistent no matter what. Listen, man, when you go to prison in those days, that was death. It wasn't like the prisons today. I don't know who of you guys went with us to, Af- or to Africa, to, uh, to Israel in 1995. A couple of you are still around. Yeah, yeah, we went 1995. Man, we went down there where Jesus was put in prison, lowered into the cell. Again, it was dark, silent. I can't imagine. So when you got put in jail, it was a death sentence. You pretty much weren't coming out, and he did nothing wrong. But he still obeyed. He still didn't sin. He still didn't curse God and die like Job's wife wanted him to. Didn't do it. And we can't do it either when something is going on in our life and we feel that God is just so far away. Well, that's it. I guess he don't love me anymore. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's wrong. That's a death sentence. That's a death sentence. We don't go by our feelings. If we went by our feelings, none of us would be married. We wouldn't have any kids, and our kids would be dead. (laughs) Beat them to death if we went by our feelings. Anyhow, hallelujah, praise God. (laughs) Go ahead and preach on. (laughs) I didn't hear Lincoln say amen back there at all. (laughs) Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Last night or Friday night when we was at the Dream Team celebration, an 18-year-old girl comes up to me back in our children's church area, and she said, Pastor Andy, she said, you won't believe what's happened to me. I said, well, what's going on? She said, well, I I work in a salon, and I'm kind of new there. She said, and I'm 18, and she said, but I've been giving things and I've been getting to do things that I shouldn't be allowed to do because there's people above me that should be doing these things and being allowed to do these things. And she said, it's just, it's crazy. And and she said, and, and people are coming up to me and saying, where do you go to church? And she's told a couple of them where, and they said, those two ladies said, I used to go there as a child, as a kid. And they said they want to come back. And so she's inviting them back. And she had one of the little girls, apparently, or, or a little boy there, a little autistic, and they asked, do you have something for them? I said, absolutely, bring them on in. Bring them in. But see, those people see that God is with her. And she said, I am not part of the, the chatter that goes on in that salon. I am not messing around. I'm not talking about people. I am doing my job. I am being a Christian. I'm living right, so therefore God is promoting her supernaturally, and everybody sees that there's favor on her life, and they're asking her, where do you go to church? What's different about you? Uh Uh-huh, yeah, her fruits are coming out. Amen? Especially in a a den of what she calls she-cats or something like that is what she said. So (laughs) hallelujah. Praise the Lord. She has great favor there because God is with her. In Joshua 2, Rahab asked God to save her in spite of her sins. And he did. Wasn't even part of Israel. But God was with her and saved her family. Hannah, in 1 Samuel, asked God for a son, and he granted her a son. And we all know that he closed the mouth of the lions for Daniel. Amen? And then angels appeared to Manoah's wife, and said, are, you are barren, but you will have a child. And that was in Judges. And we all know his name was Samson. And we know what he did for the children of Israel. And Jesus himself was with my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. You guys remember that story, right? That's just easier to say than Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, he was with them. When they got thrown in that fire, the fourth man was there with 
them, didn't abandon them, was with them. They all looked. Who is that fourth dude in there? We only, did we, you throw three? I only throw three in. Man, the other two guys died. They didn't even get in. Where'd the fourth man? Get him out here. Started serving their God because he, God, was with them. Jesus was right there with them in their battle, in their storm. He was there. He wasn't far away. Didn't forget about them. He was there with them. And he is there with us in our battles and in our storms as well. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise the Lord. You'll barely find a place in the Old Testament where God isn't involved in someone's life. He is not a distant God. He's not a distant God. But I still think that sometimes we perceive God as a harsh or mean God because we see the stories in the Old Testament when the children of Israel disobeyed, when they started whining and complaining, God sent fire down and boom, all the edge of the camp was consumed and a lot of the people died. They kept complaining and moaning and whining and he sent snakes in and boom, a lot of people died with snakes. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes it perce we perceive God as mean and, you know, and, and he also the scripture verse where it says that we must fear the Lord. Fear me. I mean, so we're like, wow, okay, I, I guess I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Lord, and I'm just going to be very as, as humble blah, 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 as I can. And, and I don't want him to hurt. I, I know I haven't been right. And I, I'm, I'm just, I just, we kind of see God kind of like this little movie, I guess you could say. Watch the screens. Yeah, so do we think God is like that? <laughs> we got to shiver and shake as we go and approach the throne of grace. No, that's not who our God is. He is the opposite. He tells us to come boldly before the throne. Come and tell me what you want. You know, we're the ones that are supposed to be bold and not be shy. Yeah, it's not like this. He is nothing like that right there. And here's the thing, if you thought that God was involved in mankind in the Old Testament, turn your Bibles over here to Matthew 1, 21, because now you're going to fall on your face because of what God decided to do in the New Testament for you and I and how close that he is in the New Covenant versus the Old Covenant. Let's see, Matthew, first chapter, and we're going to read verse 21, and we'll go down to verse 23. So get ready. This is what he does. He says, and he shall... Uh, and, uh, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call him Jesus, 
for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. So now he is not only not a distant God, he is not only beside us, but he is here with us, and we find out as we continue to read in Scripture, he is now in us. When we accept him as Lord and Savior, now he is in us, not just with us. Woo, what a difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. You missed a great place to shout. He's in us. Yes, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. If we were in your church Brother Rick, we'd already had the organ going. Dun, dun, I said he's in us. Don't no, no, He's never going to leave us. Don't no, no, no. But we're up here in Botkins, man, in the white church, brother. I'm sorry, brother. I know. It's okay. It's okay. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And it says here in Hebrews 2, 7. Let me read this one. Hebrews 2 and verse 17. It says, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation or basically atonement for the sins of his people. He wanted to be like us so he knows how we feel, what we see, how we act, because he cares for us, he is close to us, and he wants to help us. And he couldn't help us from up there he wanted to find out what it felt like in here. Hallelujah. That's beautiful. In John 1.14, it says, The Word became flesh. We know who the Word is. The Word is Jesus. He became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Dwelling among us also translates to took up residence. Basically, God became a refugee. He came down to this earth and he set up a tent. And that tent was flesh and blood. All for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's exciting. That's so exciting. Thank you, Jesus. So no longer is God just near us like the Old Testament. He's with us, and in this particular scripture, he is walking among us. And we all know what he did as he walked among us. So out of all the stories I've read about Jesus while on this earth, I don't see him acting like the Wizard of Oz in any scripture that I read. You Do you? I don't. Listen, he turned no one away. He turned no one away. Not one. And I'm reminded of the story in Mark, the fifth chapter, verse 25, that talks about the woman who had the blood issue for 12 years. You know, when I read that scripture, and you know, we've read it for years and years and years, but it's so amazing how you, when you continue to read over and over, you see something that you didn't see before. And one of the things that I saw was that she suffered greatly with the physicians. And, you know, I didn't look that up because I really don't know and want to know how she suffered with the physicians because of what she was dealing with, the, the blood issue. Who knows what them doctors did to that poor woman way back there 2,000 years ago. It's bad enough what we see today with what we have. But, wow, I, I can't imagine the torment, the torture that had, she had to go through because she suffered greatly with the physicians. And then it said that she was broke, so she had no more money, 
So she not only suffered and probably was just embarrassed to the hilt with what she had to do, with the experiments that they tried to do on her, with what they had at the time, but she spent all of her money. She had no more money. And then the Bible says that now the issue of blood, the problem, the disease, whatever it was, was now getting even worse. So a lot of us would just give up hope. There's no way I'm going to be healed. Nothing's going to happen. God is not with me. I I just don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I just, I don't know, maybe I'll get to go to heaven when I die. I don't know. It would be very difficult. But she didn't have that attitude. She didn't have that attitude. Remember, she had been shut away for 12 years. If she had kids, if she had a husband, she wasn't allowed to see them because she was unclean. Unclean. And it says here in uh, Mark, Mark 5, let me find it. Mark 5, verse 27. I guess I could just look up here. Hey, look at there. It says, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, for her to do what she did, number one, she had to hear that he was coming somehow, some way. And then she had to disguise herself. There's no way she could have went out there as her because people would have saw her. They'd have probably shouted, unclean, stone that woman. Get her out of here. So she had to come as some kind of disguise. And then somehow behind the crowd, she said, so they're there, Jesus was moving, and somehow she just went behind them all and just ran in real quick and just, bam, and just grabbed him. And then, of course, we know what Jesus said. Keep going. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And, of course, the disciples said, you see the multitude thronging you in. You say, who touched me? I mean, we could put jokes in there. I touch you. People, everybody's touching Jesus. What's going on? Come on, dude. But he looked around until he saw who had done this thing, the Bible says. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened. What? what? She was fearing and trembling. Hmm, kind of like old uh, Tin Man knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Here's probably what she thought Jesus was going to do. What are you doing? Why are you out of isolation? You know you could give COVID to all these other people. (laughs) You should be back there, you unclean woman. That's probably what she thought he was going to do because she wasn't supposed to be around anybody. And she had snuck in. And done what she wasn't supposed to do. But did Jesus say that at all? Look what it says. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. The key word up there. What's the key word, do you think, in that scripture that is amazing to you? The word daughter. What does daughter represent? Relationship. Family. Hmm, my child. God calls us his children. He calls you a daughter, calls you a son, calls us children, calls Lincoln a brat. He calls us <laughs> different things. Okay. That's all oh, he's not even here. He's not even here. He left. Okay, great. Somebody he calls us his children. And so sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel destitute. Like nobody cares. Like God is not with me. But let me give you a revelation today. And I hope this will help some of you in your battle, maybe in your storm, 
When are we the closest to our kids? When there's a problem. When they're going through something. When there's a nightmare. When one of the kids are sick. When somebody fell off a bike and broke their leg. That is when we are the closest to our kids is when there's problems and situations that they're going through. And who are we to God? We're his kids. So when we're going through a storm, when we have a problem, where do you think he is? Right beside us, with us, never leaving us nor forsaking us. He is not far away. That's just what we think. That's what we maybe feel. But remember, we don't go by our feelings. We have to walk by faith and not by what we see. And when he says, I am with you always, and even when you're a, a scoundrel and put your bed and build it in hell, I'm still going to be there with you. He's with us. He's there for us. Hallelujah. He is not a distant God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I remember little Bennett Swartz. He was in the hospital. And I went up to visit him. And, you know, I was shocked when I went in. Are you here? Uh, is is uh, Swartz is here somewhere? Somewhere. Okay, there, somewhere. Oh, there. Okay, back here. I went into the hospital room, and I, and I visited little Bennett. And when I opened the door, I was shocked because Ben, his father, was sitting right there, and Hannah, his mother, was sitting on the other side. Now, I didn't say this, but I thought to myself, Ben Swartz, why are you up here? You have a job. You work for your father. Does he know you've left work to come to the hospital? I mean, you got men underneath you. You should be doing your job. How dare you come to the hospital? And then Hannah, I thought in my mind, Hannah, shouldn't you be giving piano lessons to somebody right now? They've knocked at your door and you're not there doing your job? Now they've both thrown me out and said, you are one crazy dude. You're gone, Pastor Randy. Why were they there? Because something happened to their son. It didn't matter what was going on. It didn't matter who was who. Nothing is going to stop me from getting to my child when he's going through something. God is the same exact way. I remember when Lincoln had a, I either heard about it or Nicole told me that there was a bully at school that he was dealing with. The very next morning, I went to school, and I went up to the second floor, and I waited on that little fourth-grade bully. And when he was at his little locker, I went straight up to him. And, David, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Here's what it was. I said, hi, buddy. <laughs> and about this is about what it was, too, fourth grade. How are you doing today? I'm good, Mr. Waters. How are you? And I said, I'm good. I said, the bullying stops today, doesn't it? And he said, uh, yeah. And I said, because if it don't, I'm going to talk to your father the same way. <laughs> My kid had a problem, and I was there. And you know what? Bullying was no more after that. He can, well, he's still not here. He can tell you. Same way. Bullying was not happen. I remember when Quentin uh, fell off of a, a step and almost bit his tongue in half. Our world stopped. We went to that hospital. We were there all day and all night and through the surgeries and everything that happened. No devil in hell was going to keep us away from our kids when something was wrong. Alexis having a bad dream at 2.30 in the morning. Man, I don't want to get up out of bed. It's 2.30. 
but we're right there praying for her and saying, listen, do not fear Alexis. Reading her a scripture verse, whatever it took to help her and calm her down, we were there because our kids were hurting. My last little one that I remember here with, why is it always with Lincoln? I don't understand. Always with Lincoln. That middle child is something else. We were at the lake one day, and the water was 70 feet deep down in uh, Somerset or Lake Laurel it was, and and he had ate, and then he decided he was just going to then jump right back in the water after he ate. Now, I heard splash, and he had no life jacket on. I seen his life jacket right here. It was an instant, boom, boom. And I was just putting mayonnaise on my turkey sandwich because I was hungry. And, you know, I thought, ah, the mayonnaise, the, the mayonnaise, Lincoln, the mayonnaise, Lincoln, the mayonnaise. Boom. I jumped in that 70-foot of water, brought him up to the surface, and saved that little turkey's life. I have no clue what happened to my sandwich. I don't know. Maybe she ate it. I don't know. I don't know what happened to it. I didn't care. It didn't matter how hungry I was. My son's in danger, and I'm going to help him. And that's how our God feels about you and I. He's there with us in the middle of our storms. Hallelujah. Never leaving us nor forsaking us. When Mary and Joseph realized Jesus was not with them after three days of traveling with smelly donkeys, and suitcases. What did they do? Eh, he's 12. He'll find his way home. They went back three days to find him. I'm sure Joseph was like, oh, that kid, I see that kid. They went back. Didn't matter how hard it was going to be. They went back to find their son. God's the same way with us. When the storm comes, when the problems arise, that is when our God is the closest to us not the farthest from us. When Paul's ship was sinking and everybody thought they were going to die, an angel stood beside Paul and said, do not fear, you're going to be okay. Everybody, we're going we're to die. And then Paul did get a little obnoxious and say, well, you should have listened to me back over here at Crete or wherever, and I told you not to come sailing. He said that to him, but Jesus said, I'm with you. You're going to be okay. At the worst moment, Paul and Silas did nothing wrong. They're in the jails. We've heard the stories. And instead of whining and complaining, God, where are you? We're working for you. This head is bloodied because of you. And now we're in jail. Where are you? Can't you see we're in a storm? The rats are eating my toenails. No. They begin to sing, sing, sing and praise God. He was with them. And all of a sudden, we all heard the earthquake. The shackles came off because he was with them, with them. Hallelujah. In their time of desperation. Psalm 46, 1 says, God is a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, do not fear. But here we say this too. But I'm not perfect, and I deserve the storm that I'm in. It reminded me of another little story of a little 18, 19, 20-year-old girl that I visited in a hospital not too long ago. I visited her and started talking to her, and apparently she had done some harmful things to herself. As I be, she began to open up to me, she opened up and showed me all the things that she had did to herself, and I saw her stitches, and my heart just broke for her. 
And I didn't want to ask the question, but I did anyway. And I, I said, why? Why did you do this to yourself? And what she said just tore me up. She said, I felt I deserved what I did to myself for the things that I have done. I was broken. I grabbed her hand, and I looked right into her eyes, and I said, sweetie, listen, everything that you deserve, Jesus took for you on the cross. And a tear just welled up in her eye. I gave her a big old hug. See, and that leads me to say this. Our performance doesn't determine how close God is to us. God doesn't say, well, yesterday, Pastor Andy, you were fantastic. You witnessed. You were good. You did everything for your wife. She was happy. This is wonderful. But today, you got angry and you cussed. So deuces, I'm out. God don't do that. He doesn't do that. We don't deserve anything. We have mercy and we have grace from our Father. That's what we have. Hallelujah. <sighs> I believe he is also close to us when we're doing wrong. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 6, he chastens those that he loves. And we do the same thing. We're as closest to our kids when they're having issues, when they're going through a problem, when something bad happens to them, and we're even closer when they're bad. And we're carrying something with us when they're bad. That's that rod of correction. You know? Hey, we're always there in those times with our, and God is with us. The same thing. He chastens those. He, we may not like it. I looked up the anonyms for chastening. Whoa, I shut it quick. Whoa, they were bad. I like the synonyms better. <laughs> but it's because he loves us and he wants us to be on the right path, just like we love our kids and don't want them to go through what we went through. We want them to do the right things. God's the same way. Our Father is the same way. Hallelujah. We all remember in the Home Alone movie where Kevin was bad-mouthing his mom and talking to her, and he was saying bad things, and she grabbed him and took him all the way up the stairs, and he looked at her and says, I hope I never see any of you jerks ever again. He said that to his mother. Huh. After all that, this still happened right here. he said to her before it didn't care kevin was missing and as we saw in the movie she didn't care what she had to do to find him the family you're on your own i'm out of here it didn't matter because she loved him no matter how bad what the fight was she still cared for him and needed to find her son hallelujah hebrews 4 15 says that we do not have a high priest who was unable to empathize with our weaknesses 
But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we were, and yet he did not sin. Hmm. That's powerful. When the disciples thought they were all going to die because of the storm that they were in, they rushed down to the bottom of the boat to wake Jesus up. And when Jesus saw that the storm was there and they said, do you not care for us? We're going to perish. He looked at them, where's your faith, guys? What's wrong with you? He got up there and he said, peace, be still. And the storm stopped instantly. Jesus comes out, peace, be still. And the disciples experienced peace in the storm because who was with them? Who is with you in your storm? He will give you peace in your storm because he is with you every step of the way cares for you, knows what you're going through. But he also wants us to use our faith in the storm. Where's your faith, guys? Don't you know I'm in the boat too, duh? Like I'm going to die, I'll let myself drown? No. Use your faith. Let's go. Peace, be still. I'm with you, so have peace. Fear, leave. Doubt, go. I'm here with you. Come on. He's also with us in the storms of life. We can't control the storms. We don't know how long the storms will last. But we're not moved by what we see or feel. We are moved by what Jesus said. And he said that I am with you. And that is what we stand on. Our faith and trust is in God. He's our deliverer. He's brought our healing. He will recover. We will recover all. I'm not alone. God is not far from me. He's with me. And he lives in me. Praise the Lord. And that's something to shout about this morning. Amen. Now, as I wrap this thing up, I really felt the Lord tell me to do this in this way. I want, I don't know, five, ten people who have been through a storm, but you went through the storm. You're healed. You're better. Your roots are stronger. Your faith is stronger because of the storm. Whatever it is, maybe it was, maybe it was you were sick and now you're healed. Maybe uh, it was something happened in your, in your, with your wife and husband. I don't know. And, and it's fixed. It's healed. May, whatever it is, if that is you, I want you to come up here and stand right here with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God delivered you out of the storm. He was with you. He was present. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Thank you. Now, I want you to turn around and face the crowd. Now, those of you who are in the storm, right now, you're in the middle of it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where my help is going to come from. Through this message, through this tiny, simple message, you now know your help comes from the Lord, that he is with you. He is never leaving you nor forsaking you. He is right there in the storm. He has brought you this far. He's not going to leave you hanging now. If you're in the middle of that storm, I want you to come up, and these people are going to lay hands on you, and they're going to pray for you, and they're going to prophesy over you because they made it. They made it. God healed. He set free. He delivered. He fixed the marriage. He did something with finance. Whatever it is, he did it. 
We need each other. We're family. Nicole, you're going to come and pray as well. Altar workers, you can come up as well. And if any of you in this storm right now, you're in a storm, come on up here right now. We're going to play a song as we pray over you in your storms. I don't care what it is. Maybe if you're not in a storm personally, but it's a child. Maybe it's a family member. I don't care. Just pick somebody up here. Let them lay hands on you. Let them pray for you. Step out in faith. You're not alone. You're right here. Everybody stand up to your feet. Come on, everybody stand up. Stand up. If you're not in a storm, we need your faith as well. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise the Lord. Anybody. Anybody. Go ahead. Start playing that song. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. Guys, stretch out your hands. Pray for these people that come up here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid. We're family. God, you're so worthy. Hallelujah. We love you. We praise you today. Oh, God, we thank you that you are with us. You never leave us. You don't forsake us. God, we thank you, Father, for testimonies, God, of the storms that these people have been through and that, God, you saved through there. God, you, you never fail. You are always here with us. God, you care about us. You have a plan for us. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. We thank you for it right now, Holy Ghost. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus. I want to know that Jesus that you talked about. Come on up here right now. We'll pray for you as well. Welcome to the family of God. Come on up here. You know who you are. The Lord's talking to you. The Holy Spirit is drawing you. You know who you are. Come on up. Hallelujah. We'll pray for you. Receive you into God's kingdom this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Just find somebody. They're here for you. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just worship God for a minute or so. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We just praise you this morning. You are here in the midst, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, angels, for ministering in this house this morning to your kids, your daughters, and your sons this morning in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for it. I give you praise for it, Father. God, we thank you for answering prayers today. We thank you for healing, Father, in people's minds today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah in their bodies today, Father. We give you praise for it. Oh, we thank you, Father. You're there with us. You're there in us. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, the devil, you're a liar. Hallelujah, you have no power over us. We plead the blood of Christ over all these people, Father, this morning in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for healing to take place. Manifestations, Father, all through this house, God, to take place in Jesus' name. Oh, we thank you for it, Holy Ghost. Give you praise for it this morning. In Jesus' name, oh, we just praise you. We just worship you this morning. Thank you for your power. Oh, thank you, Jesus. heavenly language come down front right now you're not filled with the holy spirit you don't have your heavenly language you feel hey this is it come on down hallelujah we'll pray for you and you'll be filled in the name of jesus hallelujah use your faith praise god praise god praise god thank you jesus 
Thank you. Man, there's no other feeling like, like being close to God when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you feel alone, start praying with the Holy Ghost. You know you ain't alone because he's inside you. Hallelujah. Coming out. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. The devil don't want you to feel close. Hallelujah. 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 You feel lonely. You're by yourself. Come on down. Hallelujah. We'll pray for you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, for answering prayers this morning. Thank you, Father, for faith being released in people's lives this morning. God, we give you praise for it. Oh, we thank you, Jesus, for the family of faith this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Larry, lower that volume for a second. I'm going to read this last scripture verse. We're going to let God still do what he's doing up here, Father. But I'm going to read this for you as I let you go today and, and bless you as you leave. Matthew, the 28th chapter, verse 18 through 20, it says this. Matthew 28, let me go to 28. Read it from my Bible here. There we go. Matthew 28, verse 18. There we go. It says here, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, the very last thing that he said, the very last sentence that God says, that Jesus says before he leaves the earth, is this, and lo, I am with you always. Everybody say always. Always. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the very last thing that he tells us before he ascends to heaven. We are not alone. He is with us. Amen.